Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzary Financial Services. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It is Thursday, a couple days before number eight Notre Dame hosts number seven Stanford in Notre Dame Stadium. This is exactly what we were kind of hoping would happen. I think Notre Dame is, in terms of being in a top ten, probably ahead of schedule and finally played like a top ten team last week in Stanford is a, a program that you can ex- expect to be up there at all times. They've had their struggles. We'll talk about those as we move along. But let's start, guys, with the quarterback decision. I don't know if Brian Kelly will actually announce a starter this afternoon when we meet with him. Probably not. Uh, I don't really think that there's a question here unless you want to start Brandon Wimbush with a special package when the game begins. But otherwise... Obviously, I think Brandon or uh, Ian Book is the starting quarterback and will be the quarterback for the Stanford game. Yeah, it's a, it would be a, a major amount of overthinking and overcoaching to to try to play both on Saturday, and I mean that includes whatever package you think Brandon Wimbush can play in. Because at this point, you've already showed your hand that you think Ian Book's better inside the five yard line, which and he and he proved it. Yeah, <laughs> so there's there's really no point in the game where Brandon Wimbush will be a better option than Ian Book. And I think that, you know, you're you're watching Chip Long's offense sort of be run the way Chip Long wants it to be run. On passes of five yards or less, including behind the line of scrimmage last week, he was nineteen to twenty one for two hundred and fourteen yards and two touchdowns. Like this is this is not the <laughs> derisive the short passing A's and extension of the running game. This is actually an improvement on the running game. So if your quarterback can throw these kinds of passes, which Ian Book can, and he has been able to do this going back to high school, um, there's no reason to go back to a quarterback who cannot throw those passes, um, which is basically what Brandon Wimbush was. And to clarify, it's not an extension of the running game. It is augmenting a running game because they still have a running game. So right. it's not like they can't run and they have to do this. No, there's, there's no reason to see or any reason for Wimbush to go in, because as on the outside looking in, look, there's a, a West Coast radio station and a Georgia radio station we talked to before all the big games. Well, is Wimbush going to be the you know red zone quarterback, which from the outside looking in totally makes sense, right? Because if you didn't know that Ian Book was the red yeah. zone quarterback, Wimbush would be the guy. We would have said that before the year if, we, if Book would have won the job, but that's not the case. Yeah. Hey, this <laughs> is it's, the, it's clear. The statistical bit on throws behind the line of scrimmage blows my mind in the fact that Ian Book is averaging... 13 yards per attempt on throws behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Wimbush was averaging three and a half. Because of the incompletions and diving catches by Cole Komet behind the line of scrimmage. Mostly <laughs> the diving catches yeah. where he cannot throw a guy open behind the line of scrimmage because he's not accurate enough. That is the strength of Book's game. And it's that, look, this is 2018 college football offense, and Notre Dame finally is running one. The only thing that at this stage of Brandon Wimbush can do, I guess, that Ian Book can't is really throw the the, the deep, deep ball. Um, you know, I think Book really has to muscle up to do that. But 
everything that you get in place of that, I mean, so far overshadows the ability to do that. And this is a game, I mean, Stanford safeties are struggling a little bit. So, you know, the deep, deep ball might be something that you want to test their safeties with. But, you know, as you guys point out, I mean, every, everything that, that Ian Book brings to the equation or did against Wake Forest, and presumably he can execute anything that what's open, what's makeable, what's a makeable pass, he's capable of making that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, we'll, I guess we'll anticipate because Brian Kelly will be asked later Thursday afternoon that, that you know, who your starting quarterback is. It doesn't really matter whether he says one way or another. Ian Book is the guy that's going to take you either – keep you within the top 10 this weekend or or um, or fall out. Yeah, there's there's just whatever happens on Saturday. I cannot imagine a scenario at the end of the night be like, you know what, they, they should think about going back to Wimbush. I just, I, I can't imagine that happening. Well, I, I wouldn't think so. And I know that there, there are probably people waiting for a book to stub his toe a little bit. because sure, he'll throw a pick on Saturday probably. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, he's going to get a pass rush and he's going to face better pass coverage and, yeah, I mean, just ramp everything. Overall. Right, just ramp everything up. But uh, They're going to face a coordinator that didn't get fired after the game. <laughs> Maybe better defense yeah, overall. I got, yeah, uh, a coordinator that has had a lot of success. But I do want to follow up on what you guys mentioned on, on Monday and then I went ahead and followed up with a story on it. I mean, Stanford's defense has most definitely taken a step back in the last three years. Now, where they were prior to those three years was so magnificent. Right, they're out of this world. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were, you know, I mean, when, when you go through a season with, uh, you know, two yards of carry, or you go through a season with 57 sacks they, they in one year. They party at the quarterback. For three years, they yeah. dubbed themselves party of the quarterback, and it wasn't because they were overthinking or over-talking their abilities. They were back there wreaking havoc, and they... Even when Notre Dame beat them, Notre Dame scored one touchdown in regulation in 2012. The defense, they scored two <coughs> touchdowns in regulation to win in 2014, one at the last second. I mean, it was a different world when these two teams played in 11, 12, 13, 14 than it is now for both right. approaches. I mean, Stanford, is, it's, been, it's been since 2014 since they kept their opponents under four yards per carry over the course of a season. And that's notable because over four yards is... Is average four point six, which is what they gave up last year, is terrible. So I mean, they're dealing with some things up front. They're not as dominant as they were up front. Uh, although that unit has played really well up to this point, we got a couple good linebackers, and their corners are good, but their safeties are a little bit suspect. So I mean, it's something that certainly, as you as as we break down this game, you say, okay, I always say number one, who's who has the better defense? Notre Dame does right at this moment, and and they will for the whole year. Like I, I think Stanford's D is better yeah, than oh, we I agree. it's going to be, but it's not going to be right. really good. Nordic, right, Notre Dame's yeah. defensive yeah. line is good and it's deep yeah. and it's going to remain that way as long as they're healthy. So, um, yeah, I would agree with that. So, I mean, to me, that's what, from a Notre Dame perspective, that's what's encouraging is you have the better defense and, well, and you and you now have a quarterback that you, you feel confident can start to exploit the, the things and accentuate the things that Chip Long needs to accentuate. I, I want to kind of want to build on that because I, I think that, Notre Dame's defensive line is a strength just head-to-head versus Stanford's offensive line, yeah. which I, I don't think we really would have said ever uh, in the last, maybe going back well, to I wouldn't have said that. Really. I wouldn't have said that in August, but they're, I mean, they've had to mix and match and shuffle around because of injuries. They, they were in 2012, but in a different way. They were like, wow, Notre Dame finally has a defense that can hold up and not get absolutely run over by Stanford. Yeah. And it was a head-knocking great matchup where, 
Hey, Notre Dame's defense won the game. They helped. Stanford did not score an offensive touchdown, but it was it was pulling teeth to try yeah. to win that game. Yeah. And I don't. I feel like this defensive line is just going to be better than Stanford's. Now offensive they've got that line you're talking about, Pete. They've only given up five sacks, but. You know, San Diego State is down from what they were last yeah. year. UC Davis, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even look at those stats. I don't even count yeah. those. Uh, USC obviously is struggling, um, and you know they put some things together against Oregon, but obviously it took a while to get that going. Yeah, and I just think it's so rare. I mean, you look at KJ Costello. I think statistically he's been pressured on 38 dropbacks, not pressured on 83. When he's been pressured, completing 39.4% of his passes, not pressured, completing 74%. And I just think Notre Dame's going to be able to turn the dial on that this weekend defensively. They're, they have been lights out getting pressure, which is like not a... Shockingly, quarterbacks are not good when somebody's in their face, but Notre Dame has been able to get in your face more than they have in recent years. And without using more than the fifth guy. Which yeah, doesn't compromise your coverage as much. I mean, they bring Coney a lot. And that's bring a tranquil. Tr- you when know, you talk rush, pass yeah, rush, that's a ton. a ton. But it when you talk pass rush, that's a true pass rush. That's a true right? pass rush. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's the five man thing works well. Once you start getting that sixth guy, and especially against these this perimeter and Bryce Love, you're leaving yourself open a little bit too much. So I wouldn't I wouldn't think you're going to see a lot of dialed up six man. Yeah, I mean that was something that so I I track sort of how many guys they sent mm-hmm. per game, and last week when they sent six guy week. Forrest was two of three for 23 yards. I mean, it wasn't really that effective. When they brought four and five, Wake Forest was barely at 50%. They were a bit of a mess. So it's like when you leave that extra guy in coverage, which I think that you're probably going to have to do yes. against KJ Costello, because I don't yeah. think tricking him or tricking the line with an extra blitzer is um, going to help you in any way. Um, I think, But bringing five and relying on Hayes, Okwara, Tillery uh, to just beat their Kareem. men one-on-one... That's the path to success because I just look at the Stanford offensive line and I'm like, who's Josh Garnett? Who's Kyle Murphy? Who's Andres Pete? Who's um, David DeCastro? I, I'm not sure. Like A.T. Hall is, is the um, best guy, um, and he's been in and out of the lineup due to injury. The right guard, his name's um, eluding me right now. But it's just like it, they don't have those ass kickers up front that they feel like they've had in the past. I think, let's say you get 15 third downs. About, about and maybe less because there won't be fewer plays in this game than there were against Wake and Ball State and all these other teams. Was all the but you get 12 really. to 15 third downs all the time. Um, when Notre Dame brings that fifth guy, it'll be interesting to see if it's always Coney or Tranquil, who are very, very effective at it. Back in the days of Joe Schmidt, people used to get frustrated, get first right through, but Coney and Tranquil finish. Yeah. You wonder if, just to give a different look once in a while, if you have... Gilman crashing down. Well, Gilman, Gilman's have been effective. Dropping. He's very effective and, and, at it. And if you have Love off a boundary where he's not on our single white side and you can double whoever's mm-hmm. over there because you've got to have to do some a little bit of a surprise. I'm sure Notre Dame is now five, four games in. You can scout how – that's why the four guys are important, but you can scout where that fifth guy's coming from. And it's look, up to those four guys, maybe a surprise guy to be last, the fifth. Last week they did bring Gilman a lot, and they brought uh, Jalen Elliott a lot. I yes, think probably yeah. more than in the – previous three games combined um and that was overall i think pretty effective but it was against quarterbacks who didn't really know what they were yeah. seeing so I, i'm not sure if that is the way to go against kj costello but um i, I think just the key for me on saturday night is how good is notre dame's four-man pass rush with tillery kareem hayes okwara i think the lack of plays that stanford is going to run is a real benefit to notre dame's defensive line because you're not going to rotate in Jason Adamalola, Micah Du Treadway, J- 
Justin Adam Alola, Jameer Jones. Okandiji should rotate it. Okandiji will play, <laughs> yeah. but Heinish will it, play. Instead yes. of a 10 man rotation, it's probably a seven and a half man rotation. Right. <clears> and then <throat> instead of Kareem playing 50% of the snaps, he can play 80% of the snaps. So you're even rotating less by percentage of plays. I think that's really significant. I, I agree with everything you're saying there. I don't, you, you know, you're going to pick your spots where you send six, but you have to pick your spots because you don't want. You don't want Costello in a situation where, you know, he had where you're in strict man coverage. You're outnumbered on the back end. Yeah, you yeah. want to, you don't want to be outnumbered on the back end. And I and I and I agree. I think Nordame's four man rush against the current state of the Stanford offensive line. Because if you look, I mean, going into the season, Stanford's offensive line anywhere you looked was considered one of the five best in the country. So they've been banged up. They've had to move people around, and so they're not that offensive line. And I think, you know, what Nordane has been able to do with their their uh, four man rush, and I, I I continue to continually am amazed at Julian Okwara. you know, I know he doesn't have. I think he's just got one sack, right? But he's got 30, his, twelve or thirteen pressures. Yeah, so his ability to 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 stay <laughs> to get unblocked is is really incredible. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying there now. Stanford was, has won seven of the last nine. They've won three in a row. Um, Stanford has gone 89 and 23 since 2010. 89 and 23. Yeah, Shaw is, this is Shaw's uh, 100th game coaching Stanford, randomly. This happens to be his 100th game. Oh, no kidding. Stanford, hmm. So that's a. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, like, okay. The, but, and by yeah. the way, I know that because the 23, well, Shaw is 77 and 22 <laughs> because Jim Harbaugh was 12 right. and 1 in the year that starts right. this. But he's, yeah, he's 77 and 22. The notion that. You know, and it, I find it interesting now because more, pe- more and more people, more and more Notre Dame fans are hating Stanford. You know, it was always Michigan and USC. More and more people are, and it's because of the seven on nine and, th- and three in a row. And I get that. And, and I, you know, I think, you know, people still, people still don't think David Shaw. Well, they don't. And I, they still don't give David Shaw the credit that I think he deserves to, you know, as. I, I as, think he deserves it. I mean, yeah, I do. He's 77 I do. and 22. Yes, I do very you much just think wait. he does. The, now that Harbaugh and Luck are gone, that program's going to drop off. Just wait. Well, and, and, and I understand. I mean, you understood why oh, yeah. people would say that initially. But, I mean, that that's so far in the past now. So, they're good. So, my point was, uh, did, did, did good fortune smile upon them in their comeback against Oregon? Certainly at various parts oh, yeah. of that entire comeback, including the very end when it went... When taking a knee would have pretty much iced the game. But Notre Dame fans should be awfully happy that good fortune smelled upon because it is good that Stanford oh, absolutely. is number seven coming to this game. No, a- absolutely can maybe go ten and or nine and three this year. You know, right. that, this yeah. is a big deal. Absolutely, but they don't. My 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 entire point of all this is that <laughs> this is not. I mean, it's not good fortune smiling on Stanford. Stanford creates this. They win a lot of games like that, and it's not happenstance. They they will come in here expecting to win. Yes. Without question. I mean, more so than probably any other team Notre Dame plays More this so than year. Michigan. Oh, for certainly. The, for the Way best more than example Michigan. of that. And another thing, when you say Stanford's line is shuffling and all that stuff, totally agree. Not what we necessarily thought. They're a lot better than Michigan's line. Yes. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, there's no, so this is there's no doubt about that. Every other line that Notre But Notre Dame's defensive right, right. line is better now than they were in, in week one, yep. too. Yep. So, I mean, they're further, further along. There's more they can do. There's more they have confidence in. There's more that, that Clark Lee can dial up. Fifteen minutes in, we've talked about Stanford and have not mentioned Bryce Love, who can be a problem if you're a little bit too concerned about the perimeter in K.J. Costello. It's weird. I mean, I think this, this ties in with <laughs> yeah. the line, though, because he's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. 
has two rushing touchdowns. Stanford has three rushing touchdowns for the year in four games, which is a bit ridiculous. Um, you want to take an extra hat out of the box? No. Love, find no, out I, what you can do? I absolutely don't, but I do think this is a game where Tavon Coney, after kind of like trending down statistically the last couple weeks, is going to regain sort of his mm-hmm. prominence and like what Notre Dame yeah. is doing successfully on defense. Well, Love's been banged up. I mean, he didn't smartly they didn't play him against UC Davis and he's been banged up although he certainly looked back to form last week he gets a lot of practice time off too I'm yeah oh yeah just, they, I mean, just he had know to, to, they know how to use an undersized back that relies on his speed they figured out a way to get their most explosive really fast running back to be on the field all the time or as much as humanly possible it's pretty ridiculous to see Stanford with 104.2 yards per game on the ground three rushing touchdowns and 3.7 per carry yeah it is I just don't Stanford. think you want to chance it too much. Well, no, I'm not I'm not <laughs> suggesting that at all. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's the state of their running game. A lot of it has to do with their offensive line not being real cohesive right Last now. Last week on this podcast, I talked about sort of Notre Dame's unhealthy trend lines on offense about, I think it was uh, plays of two yards or less. Yeah, that's remarkable. And Notre had. Dame was like, I think, 112th or something. Stanford was actually worse. Like wow. they were, I think, the wor- maybe the worst power five team in that regard. So there's... There's some things that are off with Stanford right now, too, and I'm not in in the way that I think Notre Dame got a lot of things right and corrected last Saturday at Wake Forest. I'm not sure Stanford did it at Oregon. I think, just, that's a, one. Yeah. I think that's a really key yeah. point of they got things corrected last week. Yeah. It's not it's not that you destroyed Wake Forest. It's all the areas in which you shored things up most, you know, importantly, the quarterback position. Yeah, I found this is probably on a tangent, but I found it odd that people were kind of critiquing our review of the game. It's not that we're saying Brandon Wimbush might not have scored 35, 40 points against it, 42 points against Wake Forest. It's that you would never expect it to happen again against Stanford because it just would have been running to open spaces against a bad defense where this is just a tough offense to stop from what we've seen under Ian Book. Right. Ian Book's play is feels sustainable to me right in the way that Wimbush's play feels random a- absolutely because all of the 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 myriad of things that he did well just within the structure of what chip long laid out last Saturday it's why you can pick out four Wimbush games where he looked superhuman last year and four where he looked like he shouldn't be in a college right. football field that is kind of random yeah 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 all right we've got uh man we got questions we'll give we'll be back to segment two with our questions uh, from our readers Catanzarite Financial Services is a safe harbor providing guidance to clients on anything that affects them financially, including retirement planning, asset management, and estate planning. Catanzarite Financial Services also leads retirement planning classes in South Bend and Elkhart, Indiana. Log on to CatanzariteFinancialServices.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our burning up the boards segment. Just a reminder that uh, when you stop hearing Pete Sampson's voice in this segment, he will have moved on to his next assignment here today. And uh, <laughs> and backed up a little. Huh? Yeah, and I, I actually cut off the first segment uh, before you guys made your predictions. So why don't we start with that before we take questions, gentlemen? I mean, I like I like Notre Dame way more than I thought I was going to uh, when the season started. Certainly after three weeks, I and I. I my prediction hinges on what I said to close segment one. What book does feel sustainable and what Wimbush does feels random. And that's why I think that Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame's going to score on Stanford in a way that they haven't here in a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I've got Notre Dame, I'm going to 31 24. Um, so, a, not only a win, but a cover at home against a Power Five team. It's a bit of a, a rarity, but that's 
I'm a I'm a big believer in what Ian Book's going to do the rest of the year, and it um, I'm still not <laughs> going as far to say they're going to run the table here, but it's hard for me to pick a Notre Dame loss this weekend just based on what I saw last weekend. He will uh, he will have off days, um, but. I think he's going to have a lot more on days than off, and I think Saturday night will be on. So the Notre Dame offense you saw last week with Ian Book changes your oh yeah viewpoint. Yeah, yes. I it I have to say that I picked Notre Dame to be, win this one um, in the preseason, but after watching the first three weeks, I would have gone back on that, even though I don't like to go back on those. Oh yeah, uh, but I have, have since flipped back to staying with it, and I. I'm in the I'm a little closer because I just feel like Stanford keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. So I'm in the 31-27 range, 30-27 range, largely because I would just never, if I had to bet on this game, just give the points away. It doesn't mean I don't think Notre Dame can't win by seven points. Oh yeah, you know, sure. it, it, Notre Dame can win by seven points, and you just happen to cover the point right. spread. But it's that's it comes that's down the to, way gambling is. That's the way gambling right. is. Yeah, it comes down to a close game, uh, just because I think Stanford keeps coming. But it's Notre Dame's offense is the reason why I would not. If Brandon Wimbush was starting this game and we hadn't seen Ian Book yet, I would be in the 2017 Stanford wins range. This oh, is a totally, there's no way Notre Dame would get to 20 points. This is a totally different game. Because of it. <laughs> well, it is interesting to see the line go up in Notre Dame's favor, which means um, that there's a lot of people that uh, do this for a living that feel Notre Dame's going to win and going to cover. And I'm among those. Uh, I think that the, the hardest prediction this week is um, – Maybe the over under. I, I know we keep right saying, it, I, yeah. I mean, I think we keep saying uh, over, but I, I can, I can, I, I, you know, I mean, what's happened here recently in recent matchups in Notre Dame Stadium lends it to, to something under. So I mean, that, to me, that's the biggest challenge. But I do like Notre Dame in this game, and I don't want to. I'm not overplaying Ian, Ian Book. I swear I'm not. I'm just trying to feel free evaluate. <laughs> What I well, I just feel like people are gonna if when he struggles or if they were to lose this game, the people are gonna come back to me that I that I named him the second coming of Joe Montana, oh, and that's okay. well, that's not what I'm saying. That's, <laughs> that's they could come I'm, back if, yeah. if you really meant that. Yeah. But there was no, I, yeah. no, I didn't. They although, both held. Although there were a couple times when he rolled out where he had the mannerisms of Joe Montana, but that's not what I, that's not what I'm saying at table. all. But table. I do like yeah table <laughs> table. But I do like see there I am again. Never know it's when not to Joe stop. Montana. It's more like Aaron yeah. Rodgers cross yeah, with Joe Montana. A, it's like you a, should quote yourself on Tuesday. I'll yeah, move on now. It's like a, it's like an interview of Brian Kelly on Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know when to shut up. Um, no, but I do like him, and I, and I don't think that what we saw of, of Ian Book was a mirage. That's a guy that knows how to play the quarterback position. The big difference is. That, you know, I think when he would play briefly in other games, in previous games, he probably felt like he had to, oh, I've got to make something happen. Now he knows all I need to do is just run what Coach Long tells me to do, and it's all going to build upon each other. And I like what I, I like his chances against Stanford's defense, and I think Notre Dame's going to cover. I'll have my final final prediction, of course, on Friday. All right, Terry Benedict, why does Brian, Brian Shaw... <laughs> David Shaw. Oh. Brian Shaw was a good point guard. Yes, he is. Backup guard, but there was He's a clutch play. shooter. Yes. <laughs> Terry Benedict, let's get it together here. Why does David Shaw have Notre Dame's well, number? Well, I edited it and yeah. missed it, so yeah. me too. Yeah. Why does he have his number, Tim? Their number. Well, for the first year, he had a much better football team. That helped. Yeah. <laughs> it was left over. After, I mean, after that, that's why I have cause for pause picking Notre Dame to win this game, because Notre Dame really... Kind of should have beaten Stanford a couple times. They lost to Stanford. It's just that Stanford finds a way to win. I think David Shaw is a great 
college football coach. I think he's an outstanding college football coach that coaches to the scheme that he completely adheres to. He's adjusted. I mean, look at this. This perimeter has nothing to do with the perimeters you used to see when he was starting it, when he was at Stanford in 2012. Yeah, they had tight ends that have Kobe Fleener and stuff like that, but that was this is set up where they have recruited to this and they're kind of keep now JJ Arcade Whiteside is not always going to be found. We're going to talk about him a little bit more later. He has some numbers on him that are sobering for our prediction. But I think David Shaw is a top football coach and that's why he has Brian Kelly's number. Todd <laughs> Black yeah, Todd Blackledge Todd Blackledge said something during the broadcast that I it prompted me to write it down. He said that no no team in the country knows their identity better than Stanford. And that's David Shaw. I mean, I, I think that's David Sometimes Shaw in a nutshell. Out. Sometimes you run on fourth and one or third and one at the goal line. When if you did a play-action pass, Notre Dame would have fallen down and watched you score. And you say, that's us. That's what we do. Well, Notre Dame stopped you. Right. Happened in a Rose Bowl, too. But you know what? Usually it works out when you're true to your identity. It does. At Ryan underscore McCarty 333. Why do you think Bryce Love hasn't been overly great thus far? And do you foresee Notre Dame's D-line containing him? I think you guys touched on it. I mean, Pete with something seems off with the line, shuffling a line, um, he is, he's banged up enough where if you're sitting out games, you're not healthy, right? They don't yeah. sit out a guy that could have won the Heisman if he plays every game, right? That's, if, if Bryce Love is Well, but as you see Davis, in, so you have, you you know, with Oregon, Oregon and Notre Dame coming but up. But you don't sit a healthy player. No, that's true. No, it's true. Kind of, we talk about right. this all the time. No, it's college true. football, they have 12 yeah. games. You don't right. sit a healthy guy. So, I think he's banged up. I think the offensive line is in flux. Um, I think... It would be a mistake if Notre Dame's the first team to pull a hat out of the box with Bryce Love. And that's why it's working on the perimeter, because you have to go one-on-one out there, because Bryce Love Bryce Love on a wheel route or a 15-yard turnaround to Colby Parkinson. I mean, what do you want? Who do you, who right. do you want to see Notre I mean, to be able to shut down both aspects. I mean, they, they you know, Bryce Love has been shut. San Diego State shut him down, and Costello threw for a billion yards. Yeah, I don't like the idea of Asmar Bilal having to pick up Bryce Love on wheel routes at all. That's all I'm saying. I don't even like Houston Griffin having to do that. Yeah. Or Nick Coleman, maybe Julian Love, but then what are you doing with Whiteside, Osiris St. Brown, and Trent Horwood at that point? I'm not really sure. It's a difficult situation. At AJ Smith 2021, which Love playing well is the key to their team's success? Well, neither, Julian more. can't play poorly. Cause Bryce be, or Julian, <laughs> yeah. That'll be the end of the world because uh, yeah. he's so reliable. But, I mean, Bryce is the one that could go from what we've seen now. If Notre Dame gets the Bryce Love that has played this year, Notre Dame's going to win this game. If Notre Dame gets the Bryce Love that can turn the game into his own personal showcase for highlights. But Julian Love is the more important. He's going to play well, can, though, because right? He's not going to play poorly. No, he won't. But yeah. I, that, that's the point. Who you know, Which one has to play? I mean, they, can, they could still win if, if Bryce Love didn't have a big rushing game. I don't think so. I think they need Bryce Love to break out to beat Notre Dame. Well, it certainly balances the attack. Mm-hmm. Could be, could be. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. It's, a good, it's, it's a good question. I guess Julian. if your corner has a bad game, yeah, it's yeah, a pretty yeah, bad situation. Any, any team's corner that has a bad game is 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 in trouble. You have faith in Julian Love, though. I mean, he can he can lose a couple of jump balls, but he's going to be competing the entire night. Yeah, and do have a good. I mean, I'm just do a good job. I'm really curious to see. How, you know, obviously, Love plays where he plays on the boundary. Um, you know what it, what. It, what do they do with our Sega Whiteside? Because our Sega Whiteside, from what little I've seen of Stanford, like they move him around a little bit. Yeah. Um, to the matchup, I, mean, I don't the... really. I I like love following him around more than I like love just sort of staying where he is. I mean, it's like the numbers on our Sega Whiteside are absurd. He's, I believe, it's nineteen of twenty-one 
I'm sorry, 17 of 19 catchable targets he's caught. So 89.5%. Chase Claypool is under 50%, and Miles Boykin is barely over 50%. He leads college football, all of FBS, with 21.5 yards per target. Seven so, tu- I mean, he's, he has 17 receptions and seven touchdowns. He's, he's averaging 24 yards per catch. I would say he's not as good as everyone says. He's, he's better. <laughs> so Julian Love needs to have a really good By the game. way, Julian Love, um, you, you guys heard the comment that the uh, offensive coordinator at Wake Forest said that Julian Love cheats. Because he grabs receivers nope. and throws them down, and it was I offered. Didn't hear that. It was <laughs> offered. Oh, you didn't. No. It was offered in a lighthearted way during the broadcast, yeah. and uh, because Sean McDonough even laughed. Well, Julian Love's grandparents were watching that, and they were tremendously <laughs> hurt. They were tremendously <laughs> offended by it, and Julian Love's girlfriend was. And when Julian Love heard it, it's like, what? That's not right. <laughs> I can tell you. So uh, Matt Fortuna, who we all know, he did like a behind the scenes thing for the Athletic on Wake Forest, and he said that Dave Clawson absolutely raved about Julian Love. Like, said he's one of his favorite players <clears throat> in college football. So may- maybe the OC did mean it in jest the way you're saying, but that's hilarious. Well, he said no. He the 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 uh, Ruggiero said he's a great corner, but he cheats. Okay. And again, it, the way it was offered, it was. It was it was lighthearted. That's funny. Um, Julian Love is uh, also one of the more likable people to tell that quote to because he would give you a genuine reaction. Right. I would think, like yeah. a smiling. What are you? Oh yeah, yeah. He, la- he, la- he laughed through it, but he 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 was. Yeah. Well, he was he was it was tough for him because his grandparents were hurt and they called him. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. That's great, uh, do you cheat, <laughs> Julian? Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't dream of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where are we at? At Danny Ferry 22, based on Oregon's passing success last week against Stanford, does the offense lean more towards getting the ball in the hands of the wide receivers this week? I, I don't know. Would you lean any more or less? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess I how, think to, how to answer that. I, I just I, keep distributing the ball wherever somebody's open. <laughs> yes, that's why it's the beauty of, of the exactly. Brooklyn offense. Someone, right. I had a phone call. Someone said, Miles Boykin, how is he only getting one? Is it concerning he only caught one pass last week? No, because everybody else was well, yeah. killing Yeah, LSA Mack caught six, so, so there's got to be a balancing. If LSA Mack catches one this week, Miles Boykin's going to be running open down on dig routes and right. stuff like that. It's, that should be that. I mean, th- you know, that's the whole – the tight ends, that's the whole purpose of the chip long multiple tight ends. Those guys should be open. That, those those are designed to be easy completions. The catch of the day, as, as Chip Long used that phrase. You know – I just want to harp on it. Brandon Wimbush was the attack, was the weapon. Ian Book uses the weapons. Yeah, with with Brandon Wimbush, you needed the ball in his, yeah, in his hands. With weapon. Ian Book, you need him distributing the football to everybody to else. Weapons, and, it's just right. and, and he can be effective when he does choose sure, to keep sure. it as well. At Elliott Pope, I'm feeling the under 54 in this game with maybe 30, 40 less snaps for each defense than the last few weeks. Good point. It's a great point. I, the over-under... When it, once it went from 50 and a half to 54 and a half or whatever, I, you can't do it either way. It's going to be right there. You're just, you're just yeah. a coin. You're gambling, believe it or not. Well, There's I think the point about, and Pete, you pointed out about, you know, how many snaps Stanford's getting every week. I mean, just the. Fewer. That's a half of right, football. Just the percentage of points scored based upon snaps. And, you know, I mean, these aren't defenses that are known for giving up a lot of big plays at this stage. So. Yeah, I'm conflicted. As the king of the over-under. <laughs> I mean, it was easy for the first couple of weeks of Notre Dame. Under, under, under. It was easy last week. Over. This one, I have no clue. Like, yeah, this is tough. This, this is a tough the one. The Michigan was the all-time under, and last week was the all-time over. 
I guess Ball State would have gotten everybody, right? Because you just could, as Pete pointed out for the Ball State, yeah. when you just couldn't figure out how many points Notre Dame was going to score. No yeah. one thought it would be 24. You thought yes. it would be between 40 and 60. I definitely couldn't yeah. figure out 24. <laughs> so that seemed kind of strange. But that's, yeah, uh, convince him otherwise. Right there, Elliot Pope. Be careful. Statman72, this seems like the perfect game to apply the Tim O'Malley second touchdown theory. So who scores the second touchdown on Saturday night? This is the perfect game. This is why this theory exists. The first touchdown, as you know, is random. Whoever scores the first, oh, we scored the first touchdown. Who cares? So you score this. If you Okay, one touchdown's been scored, right? By Team A. Let's call it Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame scores the first touchdown. If Sanford answers, there's no momentum anymore. The tide has been stemmed. Everything is just even, and you go to a level playing field. If Notre Dame scores a second touchdown and goes up 14 nothing or... 17 nothing because there's been field goals scored, or 17-6 because there's been field goals. You have taken control of the game with the second touchdown. Does it matter in every game? No. But think of, it wouldn't have mattered in Wake that Notre Dame scored the second touchdown. Like They were going to win that game going away. But consider the Vanderbilt game, where Notre Dame could not get that second touchdown. It was touchdown. Mm-hmm. Field goal. Field goal. Field goal. Any of those are a touchdown. That game is over. Yeah. Instead, Vanderbilt gets it. It's 16-7, and all of a sudden you're like, well, now all of a sudden we have a game. And the Michigan game was the opposite. Touchdown. Bang. Touchdown. Total control of that game. It's just... I love it. I think you should trademark this theorem. Don't you? Yes. It, it's yeah. probably more that the game comes down to it at the end. If the second touchdown even kind of makes it closer. You don't always win just because you score the second touchdown, but you give yourself a chance because you have stemmed the tide, everything. Mm-hmm. Or it, it seems like you settle things down or you take total control. Who scores the second touchdown? I have no idea. That's why we don't get paid to... Make our predictions for that. There's, do we get? Do we actually get paid to make? We do kind of get paid to make predictions, don't we? We do. Uh, if we didn't, if we didn't make predictions, I don't think we'd make any more, any less. <laughs> That's true. But yeah. it's a hell of a lot more fun. It is a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun to get yelled at about them too. Yeah. <laughs> Who's uh, up? I'm going to skip ahead one here because I think Pete has an answer yeah. for us. Okay. Irish eleven thirty-seven. I only kind of book running five to six RPOs. Do you see the number of RPOs increasing Saturday? I don't think that's true. That's what um, I wanted to okay. while yeah. you were here, Pete. I don't have the exact number. That's not. I don't chart the number of RPOs, but basically everything is an RPO. And I think maybe this question is, he only threw it five or six times on the RPOs. But if you hand it off, I think that's the question. And there's like receiver action happening. That's an RPO. If you keep it. And there's receiver action happening. That's an RPO because it's a run pass option. Not, yes, yeah. You don't have just because you pass it. It doesn't. That is not the check. Yeah, but don't you RPO think point. a lot of read options, the 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 pass is really not in play on that. No. I think the pre snap it's in play for sure because that's what he's looking. Okay, at. He's pretty much always. In all right. Play. Well, see, the, this whole Ian Book at quarterback thing is all new to me. <laughs> well, yeah. so like the, just watch Aaron Rodgers, Tim, and you'll give us something okay. On so the uh, the sixty six yard pass to Michael Young was kind of an RPO concept where I mean you don't even have to hand it off to like have a run action to make it an RPO, and he just counted over to the right side. There was confusion about like right. a safety and a linebacker. Yeah. One guy blitz, then the other guy had to cover. And at that point, the angles were in Notre Dame's favor, and it turned into a sixty-six yard touchdown. Like that's book has the option to throw it or not. Um, but you know, there's pretty much everything is an RPO. Um, it's it, it really, in some ways, is sort of a modern day triple option offense. You talked about it. What that sixty-six yard play was so absolutely beautifully blocked by so many people. It was just remarkable. Yeah, it, it was remarkable. That's what happens when you give your playmakers a chance to make the play right. with the accurate throw? It's really. I mean, it, I, people are they going to think we're 
banging on Brandon Wimbush. Those plays do not happen <clears throat> when Michael Young has to stop, turn around, collect the ball low. We're not banging on Brandon Wimbush. Michael Young line. wouldn't have collected the ball at all. It would have been no. over his head. Or we're not, he catches it and he's not going anywhere. We're not point. banging on Brandon Wimbush. We're analyzing football. Right. That's what we're doing. And if that, you know, if that results in some critique of Brandon Wimbush, it's just it's football. We're analyzing it. JC Super Forty. Do you see Stanford drawing up mismatches against Houston Griffith? Seems like he gets picked down on third down fairly often. Um, that's a concern. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely a concern. I think I wrote about earlier in the week. Uh, I think the whole the whole nickel package, or not not the whole nickel package, but the nickel itself is a is a real concern for Notre Dame. I, you know, Houston Griffith. I th- I thought he made more plays. This is why I'm now watching a game a second time because right. you have to you, you have to actually a third the first one being live. You can't see everything uh, if you're going to write a tale the tape that's twenty five thousand characters by Monday morning. Uh, so I so now I'm so now I'm watching it again, which is why I also want I'm, I'm veering off here, but I, Trevor Ruland played much better than I originally gave <laughs> that's him a good credit. Houston Griffith yes, I, okay, but I'm going back to Houston Griffith because. It is a concern, um, and, I, and the fact that this that he's dealing with more size this week as opposed to pure speed is probably better. I think Nick Coleman has to be involved in some respect, but right now I don't think Notre Dame has a lot of they don't have a lot of real good options at nickel other than Julian Love, and then you then you lessen yourself at corner with Dante Vaughn. Throw out garbage time the last two games, because that's really where I don't, I, the Ball State thing with Griffith, he kind of came in during that game, replaced Coleman because of Coleman's, I guess I didn't notice it, but Coleman's ineffectiveness. He got beat on a mental lapse. But in the last two games, five third down targets, excuse me, six third down targets at Griffith. Four were successful, two were not. Now throw in the fact that Greg Dorch was... Two of the three, or two of the four successful, and that makes it a little more difficult. You line him up with Greg Dorch one on one. Yeah, I just don't. He's but he's not playing the ball well. When, no, when he, he's, no. his ball skills are are not showing themselves when it when it's time to make a play. I would change this question. See, do you see Stanford drawing up mismatches against Notre Dame's nickel defender? Yes. Whoever that is, Houston Griffith, Nick Coleman, Asmar Bilal, yeah. God, Adamlik. I know Brian Kelly mentioned it. Maybe you have to say that as a coach. To not tip your hand, or because you're giving the young man confidence. Right. Asmar Bilal cannot be one on one with Stanford's tight ends in the slot in a third down situation. It doesn't matter. He's going to be, and that's a problem. He's going to be. Um, it's like the Brian Smith thing. With Kobe better Smith that than a wheel ago. route with Bryce Love, though. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's the. Um, every time I think about Bryce Love not having a breakout game yet, that's what makes me worry about my pick. But uh, had, I mean, he had. You know what, what Bryce Love looked like. No, no, I, I know. I know. But, I mean, he had. What did he. He had uh, 19 carries for 89 yards. That's not a breakout game. You're right. Against Oregon. That's not a breakout game. So I just think the nickel. You wrote a whole story about it. Uh, it's totally viable. Um, I think we have a nickel question. We don't have a nickel question on here. I thought we did. Why don't we talk about the nickel question is, do you prefer? I think Pete was here to bring Yeah, I took time. that out because didn't we address that on Monday? We did, but it's coming up, right? Okay, yeah. Dante Vaughn at the boundary, Julian Love at nickel, and Troy Pride at the field, or the, or the two starting corners with a, with a nickel. Whoever the best nickel is for the for the day. I don't know that I, I, I don't know. Oh, well, okay, so ultimately that comes down to a choice of, uh, do you want Griffith at nickel or do you want Dante Vaughn at corner? Because right. if if Dante Vaughn's at corner, then loves at nickel. Yes, I think that's a really tough call. I guess I'd rather have the junior on the field than the freshman. They're going to probably attempt both, right? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's, then, at certain yeah. points, but you go, you're going to get both. But I mean, if I had to choose, I guess I would choose Dante Vaughn on the field as opposed to Houston Griffith on the field. The real interesting thing to me, and Pete brought it up, love to the field if he's following Whiteside, because you kind of have weakened two spots. Because Pride is by far at his best when he, for him personally, Troy Pride is better at the field spot than he is trying to play nickel or boundary. Yes. And if you've moved love, you've hurt Pride a little bit. You hurt and your you, pride. You hurt your pride. You hurt your pride, and that just becomes yeah. That's a, uh, it's tough. It's a good question. It was it was legit on Monday. It's legit today. It's it's a it's it's something to track and at the end of the game say okay how they do and and um, you know how didn't they do uh, at double WMA one thousand nine. Do we have to worry about Wimbush invoking the redshirt rule and transferring if he doesn't see the field this week? Well, he's already preserved a year. Um, and he's going to graduate in December, so it's really moot. I mean, he can leave after this year regardless. You wouldn't have to worry about that if Brandon Woodbush hadn't preserved a year, I don't think. I don't think Brandon Woodbush is looking to leave Notre Dame's football team just because he got replaced in September. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. agree. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And but I, I mean, we... colleagues there might have. Yeah. <laughs> to be yes. fair, no, I'm, I'm trying to draw a comparison uh, without bagging on Zaire. All right. Malik Zaire would have considered, man, I, I want to get was, this Notre Dame degree. He but was really disgruntled. Yeah, he was, he was really, really disgruntled. disgruntled with not playing. I think when Brandon Wimbush looks at it. He's one play away. A little bit differently. Yeah. 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 And he is he is one play away. But he's graduating in, in right. December, so he can, he can leave. Yeah, and he's already redshirted. Uh, I don't think for, many Notre Dame guys are ever going to do that, honestly. I don't know. I wrote about it a little bit in today's yeah. Thursday Thoughts just because it's happening. And, I, and I, I was going to write about it even before I heard Kelly Bryant was leaving. Really? Yes, yeah, actually uh, actually so. You know what I want to bring up about this? Most transfers aren't that good. Most uh, transfers, most, are not that good. Yeah. You should not leave your Notre Dame degree and your Stanford degree and your Michigan degree on the table. Yeah, you're not not graduate transfers, but flat transfers. Flat out transfers. Yeah, Let's that's make true. an all-transfer team from Notre Dame. There's about five that matter. Yeah, that's a good it's... point. That is a good point. Threat level midnight 44, an aggressive defensive game plan, for example, designing the blitzes to really put pressure on Costello. Is that good enough to neutralize Stanford's ability just to throw the ball out for those big tight ends and receivers? Or does more emphasis on coverage help our chances instead of an emphasis on aggression? We... We talked about this in the first segment. It's we, a, it's a really good it's question. It's a great question. It's a catch, a bit of a catch twenty two. Except not at the start. Not at the start. If you can get home with four and five, you're trying to get home with four and five almost all the time. Now, occasionally you have to surprise them because they will react to your five and once in a while I'll be able to block it. Stanford's really good, or has been really good in the past at using that extra tight end as a. If they have white side on one side, if they have Irwin out. If they could get Love and Wheel route, and then they have another big tight end, they will use this six-man line to block Notre Dame. So you do occasionally have to bring some extra pressure. It is the game within the game, for sure, Saturday night. And we would be guessing to tell you how often Notre Dame will do that. Yeah, I mean, it's this is, uh, you know, as problematic as Wake Forest was with the way they played, this is definitely the biggest challenge at Clark Lee. You were personnelled this game as opposed to schemed. Right, right, exactly. I mean, the personnel amps up, obviously, considerably. And this is a great challenge for Clark Lee. We're going to get a really, a really great insight into his trajectory. I guess. I mean, I think we all know yeah. that he's going to be yeah. a good defensive coordinator, but good, very good, great uh, depends upon matchups like this. Now, it's only his fifth, 
So I think there should be a little bit of leeway there probably for him, but it's a huge test and it quite frankly it will decide the game. It will decide the game and it will determine, you know, whether we're still talking about a playoff spot for Notre Dame. The last question is from a from a guy that has been frantically trying to get a question in and, and uh, we're always amused by uh, P. Sully 226's questions and so here is his today. If you had to choose a pair of Notre Dame football players to compete together in the one hundred thousand dollar pyramid who would you choose and why? And then, what if you had to choose two coaches? And what if the one of the contestants had to be Thomas Kevin Reese? <laughs> That's outstanding wording for the end of that question. I'm not smart enough to fully answer this question, um, but we'll, we'll the try. Two, the two players you have to go. This is basically you have to know each other well, right? Hundred thousand dollar pyramid. You got to get each other's mental cues. Okay. And be smart. And okay. You imagine giving clues and taking clues. You want to have someone you're you kind of trust. right. You have to have two offensive linemen. You have. To. Well, that's a good point. So, I didn't. I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. I am going Sam Mustafer and his roommate Trevor Ruland. Oh, you had an opportunity to talk to Trevor Ruland yesterday. Also, this is probably good to point out. It's going to come out in a story today, but uh, not only is Mustafer a roommate with Trevor Ruland, uh, but also um, Tommy Kramer, which I asked Trevor if it made for an interesting week because they are competing oh, against each yeah. other for a job. Really, kind of for the first time, right? This, right. This week, so he's laughed. He's like, "Yeah, it's been great." But it's uh, Logan Plants is the fourth, and uh, shout out to Logan. He is the only one that might not start this week. So <laughs> I don't. No, I don't think. I don't think Logan. Will. Uh, I was thinking more in terms of like Julian Love, Jerry Tillery, uh, Miles Boykin, maybe. Maybe Love and Boykin. Tillery might give you some answers you're not looking for. Yeah, that's there. true. So, yeah, Love though, take it seriously. I guess you're right. That's a. Uh, I think the synergy of the offensive line is key. Yeah, no, that, that's a that's a really good point. Okay, so it's two coaches, and one of them has to be Tom Reese. <laughs> Brian Kelly, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was years, thinking years together. There's no. Oh, that's a really good point. I was thinking in terms of assistant coaches. Um, I mean, you could say Kelly and Elston because they really, really go back, I guess. But uh, not Diaco. No, <laughs> not not Diaco because I don't. You think, imagine those clues. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I I think he'd be on a just a, a different plane, a different level. So anyway, we thank P Sully two twenty six for his uh, his good humor, and that's it for today for our uh, our, our podcast. Our um, um, did you promise that we would we would have an instant analysis I after just, Thursday? I figured there was going to be something from today, but if he just. Was, now nah, we about a quarterback or anything else. I think he, yeah. now you paint us in the corner, man. Yeah. We're going to have to do something, and he will. And Brian Kelly will address in some way, shape, or form uh, the quarterback position, and so we'll, we'll we'll get together with Jack Freeman and, and put together instant analysis following today's interview with with uh, Brian Kelly. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Katandri Financial Services. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.